Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. We take an average of seven and a half million breaths a year and some 600 million in our lifetime. And what goes on in our body each time oxygen's taken in and carbon dioxide is expelled is nothing short of miraculous. But We take our lungs for granted until something goes wrong, and then we're confronted with their vital importance. Asthma is more prevalent than ever. Stress levels make us more vulnerable to disease, and COVID-19 has revealed that vulnerability in historic ways. Dr. Michael J. Stephen, MD, is my guest today. He's here to offer inspiration and perspective about protecting, strengthening, and optimizing our lungs. Are you ready to meet him? Michael J. Stephen, MD, is the author of Breathtaking, The Power, Fragility, and Future of Our Extraordinary Lungs. Dr. Stephen is an associate professor at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia and director of the Adult Cystic Fibrosis Center. He's a leader of numerous clinical trials and has been on the front line caring for COVID-19 patients and has also recovered from the virus himself. Over the last two decades, he's studied advanced end-stage lung diseases and worked with patients in diverse locales, including a Massachusetts prison hospital and a pediatric HIV clinic in Cape Town, South Africa. You can find out more about Michael and his work at mjswriter.com. Michael, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you so much, Karen. Thanks for having me and I'm really looking forward to our discussion here today. I'm glad you're here. When I look at your book, it's clear that you are passionate about lungs in a way that goes beyond just sort of a vague scientific interest, or this is the work I fell into. What is it that fascinates you about lungs? Karen, it all started, I think, in the intensive care unit uh, when I was an intern back in Boston in the early 2000s. And it's a very intense atmosphere, as the name says. And you had this um, feeling like you were pulling these very, very sick patients back from the cliff. And it was mostly through working with their lungs and working with their breath and restoring their breath that you were doing this. Um, There's a lot of ventilators in the intensive care units. We were doing a lot of ventilator work, a lot of pneumonias, a lot of asthma exacerbations. And a lot of these patients were coming in with suffocations, with their breath having been taken away. And it was a very powerful feeling to be part of a team that helped restore the breath um, and pulling these pa- very, very sick patients back from the cliff. Um, and that's what I, how I initially got interested in the breath. And um, it's been a lifetime of learning ever since. And certainly, you could sort of fast forward to today. And I find myself in the ICU a lot, pulling people back from the cliff with lung problems. Of course, this time it's COVID, you know, back 20 years ago when I started, it was a mishmash of things. So I've kind of come full circle and I'm kind of seeing the importance of why I went into this specialty right now. And it's kind of reminding me a little bit of of why I came into this. Mm. What is it that inspired you to write the book? Because when you were writing it, you couldn't really have known that COVID was coming. 
Correct. Absolutely right. I mean, I started writing this about four years ago. Um, and I think there's, there's two parts to the question that I want to answer. And the first part was that I saw that in the last 50 years, um, you know, between 1980 and 2015, and even going back to 1960, there's been this sort of tremendous upsurge uh, in pulmonary diseases um, throughout the United States and throughout the world. Um, so you are seeing, you know, 60% declines in um, cardiac mortality. You're seeing 60% declines in stroke mortality. You're seeing 30% declines in cancer mortality. And then the one line that is going in the opposite direction is our respiratory health. You know, 30% increases in, in lower respiratory diseases, 100% increases in interstitial lung diseases. Um, lung cancer kills more than the next three cancers combined. Um, and, and, you know, with these very high smoking rates. So there's been this sort of massive increase in chronic respiratory diseases that's just been completely ignored um, in this country. And nobody was talking about the breath. And then more recently, and not surprisingly, we've added acute crises on top of that breath. So we've added the wildfires, we've added the vaping crisis, and now, of course, we have the COVID crisis. So I saw um, a little bit, you know, through my training of what was going on with the chronic crisis. And then, not surprisingly, all these other acute crises came along. But, but the factors of why I was interested in it are the same cause for both, if that makes sense. No, it does. I'm thinking of that, that kind of that spiritual principle that that what we what we take in is is what we express, right? What we invite in, what we give space to, that's the stuff from which we create. So my ability to breathe and breathe deeply and breathe in a healthy way also now exp um, affects what I can what I can create in the world. You said our lungs are the linchpin between our body and the outside world. And as you talk to me about cancer and about wildfires, all these things where, where as we breathe in, we're affected. It, that's a vital place to look at the health of the body, it seems to me. Oh, there's no question about it. And everything, the connection goes so much deeper than that. And I think, you know, you're, you're referencing some, something much bigger. And it's the whole health of our planet. It's the whole health of our the animals around us, of all the plants, we all breathe, we all use this shared space that's the atmosphere. So everything else was potentially suffering before. Um, if you want to talk about the plants, if you want to talk about the animals, that's fine. But now it's catching up to us. And, and we see that very clearly. Um, but, you know, I don't want to be all alarmist. You know, one interesting thing about the COVID crisis was when things shut down, you know, our breath improved and improved with the virus and improved with the atmosphere. But then we also saw this tremendous healing in the earth. We saw this tremendous healing in the animal life um, around us. So we saw, you know, dolphins swimming in the Venice canals, uh, just absolutely extraordinary and beautiful things. Um, so you're talking about this thing that, that, you know, we ignored and we ignored to other detriment it caught up to us, and so now we have to heal it for everything. We have to take into account everything that's going on because this is a shared resource. Things that we do to the atmosphere are not going to remain isolated in other domains. Um, it, it, they're just not, and, and we see that very clearly right now. Why, 
is it that we take our lungs for granted? We don't notice them until something goes wrong. That's a great question. And, you know, I think the system that we've been given, um, you know, through however you want to call it, um, has tremendous give in it. You know, there is tremendous reserve within our lungs. You know, we can take a lung out and survive with one lung. You know, people can survive with 30 or 40% lung function. Um, our lungs can take a lot of abuse. If you think about, you know, people who smoke, when do they develop cancers? You know, they don't develop them right away, even though they're in basically inhaling toxic air for years and years on end. So our lungs are this, this beautiful, miraculous organ that can fight pollution, that can fight toxins, but at some point we're so abusive towards them that we fall off a cliff. Um, and and that, that can happen with our atmosphere. Um, that's happened with this virus. Um, so, you know, there's tremendous capacity within our lungs that we're able to ignore it because they're so strong. They have such ability to regenerate, um, but you can only push that abuse so far and you reach a tipping point in terms of toxicity. And we've reached that. We've very clearly reached that and we've gone over the edge. And when it starts affecting people, you know, who are disenfranchised, we're able to ignore that. Um, when it's affecting people not in our country, we can ignore that. Um, when the air quality is somewhere else is bad, we can ignore that. But now it's, it's on our shores now. Um, and so we have to take notice. Um, you know, the air quality in America has gotten worse every year since 2017. That's very clearly stated in the American Lung Association's state of the air report every year. Um, so, so to answer your question, we were able to ignore it, um, but continued abuse, we're not going to be able to do that. It's catching up to us and we need to do something right now. And there's a, there's a way in which I think in a, in a lot of things that are happening in the world right now, um, where we take for granted the things that don't shout for our attention and because our breath, so I'm asthmatic, been asthmatic since I was a child. So I might pay more attention to my breathing than maybe somebody who never had those experiences, but I don't think about my breath all the time. And we tend not to, we tend to focus on the things that, that shout at us. And if it isn't shouting, we don't, we don't listen. And now, as you're saying, this is a time when our body asks for our attention. The planet asks for our attention. Our health asks for our attention. I'm talking with Dr. Michael J. Stephen. His new book is Breathtaking, The Power, Fragility, and Future of Our Extraordinary Lungs. You can find out more about Michael and his work at mjswriter.com. Now, you've been caring for patients on the front line, but you had your own experience with COVID-19. I, as, as an asthmatic, of course, now I'm especially scared of, of getting sick. What was your experience like, and what was it like to be receiving medical care in, instead of giving it as you do? That's a great question. And certainly there was great irony there that the, you know, the very disease that I research and I treat that I'm, I'm now afflicted and, and on the other end. Um, and it was a time uh, for me, you know, to lay down my burden and to lay down, you know, any overconfidence that I had and to accept treatment. You know, it's not easy 
for physicians to do that, right? Mm. We are sort of sort of put a little bit towards the divine. You know, how can somebody heal me if, if they don't have a little extra knowledge? Um, so we want to have faith in our physicians. Um, sometimes we, you know, we put them on a pedestal a little bit, and, and that's fine because we want to have trust in them that, that they have vast knowledge and wisdom because ultimately that'll be good for us. So mm. I, had to, I had to switch roles there. Um, and with the state that I was in, it was not hard to do. Somebody asked me, you know, my opinion about something about, you know, my own treatment when I was in the hospital. I said, you know, I don't think we should be putting a lot of judgment in my experience right now, just based on how I feel and how my brain feels. Um, so it was a, it was a very good experience. You know, it highlighted the importance of, you know, the people who listened to me. I remember that they listened to me. Um, and, you know, it highlighted the importance of the human touch um, to me. You know, it highlighted, I noticed the people who took, who took time with me. Um, and, and so that was a very experience, important experience for me to have as a physician. And I, I changed tremendously because of the experience. It was very humbling in some respects. I was very sick at home for two weeks. I gave the virus to my family, my wife, and two young children. And I had a tremendous amount of guilt um, because of that. Um, fortunately we can talk about a happy ending now and they did very well and they did much better than I did. But, um, I felt, I felt like I had made a drastic mistake and that it, it could have cost me very dearly in terms of my family. Fortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, when I ended up in the hospital, it was a place of refuge for me and I saw how great people were there. Um, you know, as a doctor, you're kind of running around going about your business but it, it gave me tremendous meaning and, um, you know, it bolstered my confidence in humanity that, that here I was completely vulnerable, you know, the hospital, the people, people I didn't know gave their best to make me well again. And I, and I went home and I recovered to a hundred percent. Um, you know, it took several months, three, four five months, um, to get back there. But, but that, that was sort of my experience of being on the other side of the stethoscope. Oh. It, it was a good experience for me. I learned a tremendous amount. Um, and, um, you know, I use my story to motivate my patients these days. You know, some of them will say, you know, I was a little depressed. I couldn't do any physical therapy. When am I going to get better? You know, I said, you know, I had this very sick COVID. You know, it took me two months to feel a lot better. And, and then the next day they'll say, you know, that was exactly what I needed to hear to get going with physical therapy. Thank you for telling me that. Oh, my gosh. How is it? How can we protect ourselves and, and, and protect our lungs while we're still in this pandemic time? Is there something that we can be doing that, that we're not doing to pay more attention to our lungs before they're affected? You know, that's a really great question. And there's a tremendous amount of we can do for our lungs. You know, the first thing that I would say to people, and this applies to you, Karen, is, is you're telling your story about your asthma. Stories can be, you know, very, very powerful things. And it seems like whenever I talk to people about my book or I give them an advanced copy, you know, they'll mention an incredible story that, that they, somebody with lung disease touched them. And, you know, I don't think we're telling these stories enough. So that. That's one thing is just getting the word out there. I don't talk to somebody who hasn't been touched by a serious lung disease recently. Mm -hmm. um, so just raising awareness in terms of, you know, what you can do for your lungs, you know, certainly avoiding pollutants, um, you know, is very, is very important. 
avoiding, you know, nicotine and, and cigarette smoke can be difficult. You know, nicotine replacement can be very helpful. Um, you know, you want to keep the humidity in your house between 30 and 50%, um, not too dry in the winter, you know, in the winter, and then not too humid in the summer. Um, you know, ask questions about your work. You know, do you feel short of breath at work? Are there dusts there? that are getting um, produced at work? Um, is the air quality good at work? One very interesting thing that I see now is on my smartphone app for the weather, there's now an air pollution monitor. So every day when I wake up, I check the weather and I check the uh, pollution meter outside. Is today an okay day to exercise outside? You know, over a level of five or six on the scale of 10, probably not safe. Um, and then that's one thing masks can help with. You know, I'm going to be a little sad when all the masks disappear um, mm. because they warm the air for us. So sometimes cold air can be very irritating in the winter. They warm that air for us. They filter out allergens for those with asthmatics, you know, those asthmatics or with mild asthma. Um, they screen out viruses. Um, you know, so there's been this kind of... Um, We've ignored the breath here in the West. You know, when you go to Eastern countries and somebody has a cold, they will wear a mask all day and people won't look at them strangely, right? And that's mm -hmm. the right thing to do. When there's high pollution outside, they'll wear a mask to filter it out to protect their lungs. And that's the right thing to do. So we need to adjust our mindset in this country in terms of being able to protect our breath in a socially acceptable way. Um, you know, breathing exercises can be very helpful. You know, I dedicate three to five minutes every morning to some, to some gentle yoga breathing. You know, I like movement. I'm a runner. I like to row. Um, so I like to incorporate breathing exercises with movement and yoga. Some people just like to sit still, take easy breaths, expand their diaphragm, making sure all their, their lungs are opening them up. So there's a tremendous amount of we can do for our breath from strengthening it with exercises to avoiding pollutions to making sure that we have clean and healthy atmosphere to telling our stories about the breath to, to get the word out there. I know that for me, when I get anxious, when I start to flip out and Hey, pandemic's a great time to flip out. When, when I get anxious, my breathing's not as good. Is it sounds like from reading your book, there's a relationship between the level of stress that we're in and not just whether or not we're breathing well, but our vulnerability to disease because of how stressed we are. Can you, say something about that? I think that's absolutely right. And I think there's tremendous tendency as we get older and we take on more stress and, and we build up all the stress within our shoulders to sort of start breathing more with our upper chest, with our neck muscles, and that's sort of ineffective breathing, right? We want to be breathing with our diaphragm. Um, we want to be opening up our lungs that's where most of the blood flow in the lungs go is towards the bases where the diaphragm is. That's where most of the air goes when we breathe. If we breathe effectively, is down to the diaphragms to match where that blood flow is. So I think what happens, and I think you're absolutely right, we get stressed, we get dysfunctional breathing, and there's a physiologic issue here too. You know, without appropriate breaths, without appropriate expansion of the lungs, they're not going to be able to move viruses out as easily. The cilia of the airways are not going to be able to beat out all of the toxins, toxins and pollutants as effectively. Um, and it's going to make us more prone to illness through stress, through our breathing, through our lungs. Our lungs are on the front lines. They're the first, first place that 
any of infections um, will attack and, and get into our bloodstream um, in, in many cases. So there, there's a lot there um, and absolutely stress, dysfunctional breathing and susceptibility to bacteria, viruses and illness, they all absolutely go together. There's no question. Do you have a favorite exercise maybe to share with the listeners? Is there something, somebody listening to this who's thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not taking full breaths, I right? And my lungs are beautiful and they're vulnerable. Is there an exercise or a practice you can recommend that might help that somebody could start today that will help them see a difference in their lungs? I absolutely believe so. I also believe that, you know, breathing exercises need to be personalized. So mm -hmm. if you're just getting started with breathing exercises, I think the best thing to do is, you know, find a quiet place, try and inhale through your nose so that air gets warm and, and moist as it goes into your lungs and toxins are filtered out. And then just take an easy four seconds in, hold for two seconds, and then exhale five seconds. And, you know, do that for a minute or two. I think people starting out with breathing exercises have to be very gentle with themselves. And I feel like when you're doing this easy inhalation, hold for a few seconds, and then easy exhalation, putting your hands on your belly to really feel that diaphragm expanding, to feel that stomach expanding um, is, is very, very important. The, the stomach should move out when we take a deep breath. So, you know, we're also fooling around with our stomach and our stomach muscles a lot and, and having tension there. Um, and, and so moving this, having the stomach and the diaphragm and the lungs all be completely coordinated with the breath and just being aware of that a little bit without pushing yourself too hard. And then later, you know, in a few weeks when you're comfortable with that three minutes, five minutes of just easy breath in, hold for a few seconds, then you can maybe get into some more advanced breathing techniques where you're taking a longer inspiration, maybe five or six seconds, holding it two or three seconds to really stretch that diaphragm, stretch the bottom of the lungs open, and then doing a nice long exhalation to make sure all of that air goes out. Um, so I like to start people very slow, just an awareness of the breath, um, thinking about how the bottom of the lungs and the diaphragm are so important for us, um, stimulating that parasympathetic nervous system and making sure that the belly is also in com communication with that. Um, and then, you know, being, being, being patient with yourself, right? We, you don't go into a gym and lift 300 pounds, right? You, you start with 20 pounds and, and 10 pounds or five pounds even and work your way up. Um, so I, I think about that with the breath as well. I love that because it, it, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of what I think of as competitive breathing. Like when you go to meditation class and you try to be the one who's breathing the deepest, right. To show that you're the best one, you really get it. You're super spiritual. So I don't like competitive breathing. I love what you're tapping into there because our, our, it's through the breath that we connect with what binds us all together. We're, we're connecting with the essence of life when we breathe. And so allowing those exercises that you shared, allowing us to do it in our own way and do it gently feels to me to be a really beautiful healing thing. Um, thank you for that. I, in just the couple minutes we've got left, how can listeners find out more about you and your work and follow the new book? I appreciate that. So certainly, um, you know, logging into my website um, and my email is there. So if anybody wants to email any questions about breathing or lung health um, in general, 
um, or the book, any questions about the book, um, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So certainly my website, uh, mjswriter.com uh, has a wealth of information there. And I love heal hearing, healing, hearing from readers with the hope of healing. Um, yeah. and, and, and so, you know, there's just so many people with, with breath questions and I hope to personalize their, their, their breathing and their plan for themselves. So feel free to email me about anything and any questions about the book. And certainly I hope people enjoy it. Thank you so much, Michael, for talking with me and thank you for being present in on, on the front lines for the work that you do through the book and also through your service um, in the medical profession. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Karen. It's been a real pleasure. We were talking with Dr. Michael J. Stephen. His new book is Breathtaking, The Power, Fragility, and Future of Our Extraordinary Lungs. You can find out more about Michael, even connect with him directly through email and his work at m jswriter.com so mjs writer w r i t e r.com and you can always find uh details about upcoming classes and events find out what's coming up on this radio program at karenhager.com it's a good place to connect with me you can even connect for a private session if you're so inclined and if you believe as i do that that what we breathe in we exhale what we what we intend, we then bring forth into the world. I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's a place where there's free guided meditations for you to stream anytime. And you can get details about the live monthly free 15-minute guided meditation call that we run every month that brings together people from all over the world to focus on, through the breath, peace in our hearts and peace in the world. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.